for anybody who has any um, doubts about how intelligent and smart and wonderful these ladies are, that explanation goes way above, hey, we're just selling coconut oil. They understand what the science is behind the product. Hello, pet parents. Welcome to the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, where we empower and educate you to be the best advocate for your pets, giving them a happier, healthier life. Are you confused about all the overwhelming information out there about your pet's health, nutrition, and overall wellness? Well, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Judy Morgan, an integrative veterinarian, author, and speaker. Join me for an exciting show where you'll discover the healthy options for raising your pets in a more holistic manner. Find out the answers to your questions during these short and succinct episodes where I chat with experts in the industry and showcase the latest products that will help your pets stay naturally healthy. So let's get to it. Welcome to our show today. I'm really excited to have good friends, Teresa Antigua and Carmina O'Connor, the owners of Coco Therapy with me today. These two ladies are brilliant. They are always dressed impeccably and they rock four inch heels. I cannot do that. So maybe the next time we're together, you can give me lessons how to walk in anything more than a half inch heel because I just fall down. (laughs) But these ladies have been around coconuts their entire lives because their family has been growing coconuts and making coconut oil for three generations on their family farm in the Philippines. Both sisters have degrees in uh, bachelor's in biology and received their certification in companion animal nutrition from the University of Illinois. Animal lovers their entire lives, they grew up on a farm with dogs, cats, birds, and farm animals. Ladies, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So I think I met you two at a veterinary conference the, the first time we crossed paths, and I saw this big booth, uh, advertising coconut oil for animals. And I said, God, what's this about? Like, I have never used coconut oil for animals. I have no idea what the benefits are. And um, we ended up talking for probably a good 45 minutes. And I was so blown away by your knowledge that I remember saying to whoever was with me, we have to go back and talk to them some more. And I think we came back the next day and literally monopolized your time for another hour, hour and a half. <laughs> it, I love that. I love that. It was great. <laughs> so, and I was a nobody then. Nobody knew who I was. So the fact that you were willing to spend that much time teaching me, and I think we were doing some filming and uh, we filmed you talking yeah. about it. So yeah. if we were doing filming, it was probably at the AHVMA down in Augusta. Yeah, um, but I am—I uh, really am blown away by the benefits of coconuts, coconut oil, and all the the ways that you have found to use them to help our pets. So one of the things I want to absolutely address today is there's a big controversy about coconut oil and whether it's healthy for humans as well as our pets. And there are people on both sides of the fence. It's amazing you can find so much controversy over something so simple as coconut oil. But I remember um, it was one of the big, huge New York newspapers, and I don't remember which one, years ago, uh, was talking about how horrible eating coconut oil is for people and it blocks our arteries and causes heart disease and all this stuff. And 
everything I've learned about coconut oil since then tells me exactly the opposite. So, so what's the scoop? I mean, for me, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the quality of the coconut oil that we're talking about. But give us the lowdown. Why is coconut oil good and how has it gotten this bad reputation? Like what are people, how are people looking at it wrong or interpreting things wrong in order to come to that conclusion? Right. That's, that's a really good question, a very loaded question. But the, the simplest answer is coconut oil is a saturated fat. So already for the longest time for years, people have said, doctors have said saturated fat is bad for you. But what they don't go into is that there's so many different kinds of saturated fat. So the saturated fat that will clog your pores is atherogenic would be the long chain saturated fats found in meats and um, that kind of protein. But coconut oil is a medium chain saturated fat. So it has very different metabolic pathways. So it's processed by the body differently. It does not clog your arteries. What happens is it goes straight to your liver and it's converted to ketones and releases energy. So it doesn't add any like increased lipid values in your blood. So that's the main thing. And a lot of people don't focus on the different types of saturated fat. They basically lump all saturated fats in the same basket. Yep. Yeah. Great, great information. And interestingly, we really don't see hardening of the arteries and atherosclerosis in pets like we do in people. The the metabolism is totally different. And we Correct. do know that we can feed our pets, dogs and cats, really high-fat diets. So, for instance, a ketogenic diet, we can feed mm-hmm. them very high-fat diets, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not a problem. It's not going to cause heart disease. It actually helps prevent it in our pets. Um, so I think, you know, first and foremost, dispelling the myth that it's bad for us is really critical um, yeah, because there there have been some pseudoscientific articles, presentations that, like you say, are really kind of looking at it from the from what I consider to be the wrong direction, just kind of lumping things together. Right. So um, we're going to talk about um, how you develop new products and source them and uh, the, the hoops that you jump through to do that. Um, but I want to talk about uh, some of the uses of, so you have a couple of different products now. When I originally met you, it was um, coconut oil. And right. now you have your coconut oil, which is high in one sort of medium chain acid. And then mm-hmm. we're, we have the MCT oil. Can you talk about the difference between coconut oil and MCT oil? Yeah, our, our virgin coconut oil is about 65% medium chain fats. And then the other is some long chain and some short chain fats. The MCT oil is primarily just medium chain fats, so it's about 98% medium chain fats, mainly lauric acid, caprylic, and capric acid. Now, the, our virgin coconut oil has a lot more lauric acid in it because that's what virgin and coconut oil is, is very rich in. Um, so, And the reason why we came up with these different oils is depending on um, the animal or what type of uh, issues you want to address. For the MCT oil, animals that are extremely lipid sensitive, that have a hard time digesting fats, we would recommend MCT oil because being mainly primarily uh, medium chain fats, it's a lot easier to digest. You don't need the chylomicrons for digestion. You know, there's hardly any long chain fats in it. Now the virgin coconut oil, because it's higher lauric acid, 
Um, we like virgin coconut oil because of the antimicrobial aspects of lauric acid. An animal can tolerate fats easier than we recommend the virgin coconut oil. Um, okay. And the, the MCT oil is very high in caprylic and capric acid also. Okay. And um, I know there's been a lot of talk about using the MCT oil in particular for um, cognitive issues and seizure issues. Is there a reason why the MCT oil is better than the regular coconut oil for the brain issues? Yes, um, because it gets metabolized very, very quickly. Um, capric and caprylic acid are shorter chain even than lauric acid. It has um, six, wait, eight and 10 carbon chains. So because it's so short and so small, the liver can convert it to ketones much faster, elevates the blood ketones faster, and then it gets to the brain. It crosses the blood-brain barrier faster. And the one and some lauric acid, which is what we have in our uh, MCT oil, it crosses the blood-brain barrier and converts to brain ketones yeah. a little bit slower. Yeah, at a slower rate. But um, And it helps with... with um, with cognitive decline because basically when the brain has um feeds on ketones it, it feeds on ketones so when when people say they've got a brain issues it's it's basically uh diabetes of the brain because the brain doesn't have any food to feed off which they feed on ketones so which is why uh, the medium chain fats are extremely good for brain health it supports the brain and miss anything else so for anybody who has any um, doubts about how intelligent and smart and wonderful these ladies are, that explanation goes way above, hey, we're just selling coconut oil. They understand what the science is behind the product. So with that, I'd like to talk about um, how you guys uh, – develop new products? Because I think when I first met you, I think you had coconut oil and maybe coconut chips. Chips, yeah. Um, and since that time, and it hasn't been that many years, you've had so many new products hit the market, and I have yet to find one that I don't go, wow. Uh, so it's it's been really interesting. But this latest selection of, of treats, so a lot of your products are treats. We've got the the medically beneficial MCT oil, coconut oil, um, the coconut chips are just a phenomenal fiber source for animals that have um, problems with stool consistency. Yeah. Uh, and then the coconut, the, the finely ground coconut hairball plus for the kitty cats. People yeah. think it's normal for their cats to vomit a lot and vomit yeah, hairballs. Right. It's yeah. not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> So that's been, you know, it's just, it's a whole food source and the, the cats really like it. So it's not something where we're having to force mineral oil and laxatives yeah. down kitty cats. This is a much more natural way to get them to, to move things through the bowel. Uh, but this, the newest selections of treats, and a lot of your treats are not meat-based treats, which is really cool. And they're organic. Um, so the sourcing is amazing. Uh, but for people who have animals with IBD or protein allergies, to find something that has such high-quality ingredients that's not going to cause some sort of an IBS or, a, you know, itchy allergy problem, dry skin, it's actually going to help with that. Uh, so some of the new ingredients I want you to talk about some of these are coconut milk, moringa, which is very interesting, beets, turmeric, ginger, cranberry, peppermint, and parsley. And I know that when you're putting together 
your products, it's not just about, ooh, you know, that's going to look good on the label or doesn't that sound cool. It really is looking for a benefit for <laughs> the animal. So we're going to start with Moringa because that one is is something I haven't seen in treats and pet food ingredients. And frankly, I don't even know if I know what it is. So what is it? Where does it come from? And why are you using it? <laughs> yeah, Western. yeah. The, the reason why we use Moringa is because we grew up with it. In the Philippines, Moringa is a plant that's called Malungay. And it's, it's similar to spinach and kale. And people don't really eat a lot of spinach and kale in the Philippines. They eat Moringa or Malungay. In fact, we grew up, my sister has a, a Moringa bush in her backyard. So my my uh, my mom, my parents, my family, we would pick the leaves and we would boil it. We would use it in soups and stew. We would make tea. And they knew of the health benefits for Moringa. So we something we've grown up with. And um, back in, was it 2017? We, we were actually, my older sister who lives in the Philippines currently, she, when we were developing our treats, we were using spinach and kale. She said, and this is a long time ago, many years ago, she goes, why don't you guys use malungay, which is um, Moringa? And we thought, you know, I don't even know if they have that here in the U.S. Is that even popular here? Do they understand? Yeah, they, then she goes, yeah, because she uses it for her dog. When her dog gets sick, they use it, like, instead of chicken noodle soup, they'll do moringa soup, malungay soup when people get sick. And we thought, you know what? We should start doing some research and seeing, do people here in the U.S. use it? Can you get it here? And Caritha came upon an article in 2017 that Dr. Becker wrote regarding Moringa, where she actually used it to treat a cockatoo with um, heavy metal poisoning. Right. So, yeah. Well, just to step back, let's step back a little bit. So, Moringa is an incredible superfood. It is loaded with vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. And sure, everybody says that about every vegetable out there. Yeah. But this is really amazing because it's got, it literally has more vitamin A than, um, than carrots, more vitamin C than oranges. It has more protein than yogurt. It's got 26 times more protein than spinach. I mean, no, iron than spinach. So it's unbelievable how rich Moringa is. It also is um, filled with antioxidants. It has quercetin, which we know quercetin is very good for the immune system. Yeah. It has compounds that help um, inflammatory, like help with the liver. And so it has 19 amino acids yeah. as yeah. well. So it's really a yeah. amazing yeah. Um, vegetable. And the thing is, in Dr. Becker used it. She had a cockatoo that had heavy metal poisoning. So Moringa is also known as a wonderful detoxifier. It's like a chelator, so it, it it binds heavy metals to it. So she had a cockatoo that had um, heavy metal poisoning. So she gave it some moringa, and within a few months, the heavy uh, the metal levels in the blood became normal, and just with moringa alone. Huh. So it's it's wonderful for that heavy metal toxicity, and it also binds to arsenic. And we know that, and the reason why the Philippines is a very rice rich uh, country. They eat rice all the time, and we know that rice has various levels of arsenic. So this, um, the groundwater, water that's on the ground is found, there's arsenic levels in some of that water. So moringa is known to actually detoxify um, arsenic in the blood. And so okay. there's there's really a lot of studies about it. It's not just um, here yeah. they yeah. some wonderful studies. Yeah. That yeah. is very cool. Is, is moringa grown in the U.S.? 
You know, primarily Asia. Yeah. So the Philippines, um, Sri Lanka, and I think they're going to, they're starting to grow here, which is yeah, I th- probably in more tropical regions in the Philippines, but I mean, in the U.S., but it's definitely more, yeah, in the, in the Philippine, in Asian countries mainly. But the reason why we had a difficult time too is sourcing Moringa was difficult. We had um, tested so many sources of Moringa prior to these treats. And a lot of them were actually high in heavy metals because it, it attracts heavy metals and binds to heavy metals. So we, we couldn't use them. And it took us almost two years to actually find a source that we liked and trusted. I think it depends on the soil it's grown as well. Yeah. So just as a part of our product development, we pick our ingredients very carefully. And once we get them, we have to see the certificate of analysis for every single ingredient. So our product has a certificate announced, our ingredients have a COA, so we're very yeah. picky and we just make sure it's a good, a good, um, source or because I mean, you could have other, um, sources of Moringa that you could use, but if you don't really know where it comes from, then it could be a little iffy. Unless you had a bush in your backyard. But, but that was, my does. off was fine. I mean, <laughs> if you go to an Asian store, you'll see, you can usually get Moringa. Yeah. And that's what we use as an Asian source. And that's what we, you, we would use. And, um, normally when, cause Carissa had very sick, when we had very sick animals, we would make Moringa tea or with a, um, vegetable, the Moringa we'd buy in these Asian stores. So we would use more, you know, it's not powdered. It's not processed. It's vegetables. A lot of them are organic. So we would use that to make them tea or soup or broth and we would add it to their food, just like anybody would add spinach or kale. Dr. Judy here. I want to thank our sponsor, Dog-Eared, with Lisa Davis. Do you love to read books about dogs on all subjects? I was recently a guest on the podcast Dog-Eared with Lisa Davis, where she interviews authors who write books about dogs, and I highly recommend you check it out. Lisa reads every book cover to cover, and her warm and engaging personality draws out her guests, and the resulting conversation illuminates the book, but without giving away the whole story. Also, I will be on monthly to answer her listeners' questions about natural pet health. So whether you want the latest advice on how to keep your furry friend happy and healthy, training tips, inspirational memoirs, or anything else dog, Dog Eared is right for you. Go to where you get your podcasts and type in dog-eared with Lisa Davis. I'm going to have to go looking for Moringa now. I'm very yeah. curious about this. <laughs> I don't think I can it, grow it here. We're, it gets too cold. Oh, uh, yeah, it gets <laughs> yeah. cold. If you go to an Asian store or Filipino store, it might say Malungai also, and that's Moringa. The leaves are very tiny and round, so that's what they look like. And, yeah. you know, very, very cool. Yeah. So you've incorporated this into some of your new treats. Are these, is that in the cocoa milk bones or is it in the gems? And the gems. They're in and the, the gems. gems. Yes. And what is the moringa combined with? Is that combined with any of these other really cool ingredients? When the the moringa is by itself. We do we use coconut and coconut oil? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about beets. Why did you gravitate toward beets? Again, not something that is in a whole lot of treats and foods out there on the market. Well, when I had a Lucy, my previous your, uh, Chihuahua, she had really high ALT values. And um, I went to an integrative vet. I went to see Dr. Becker and she put her on a liver detox diet. And part of it was, um, you know, ground turkey or, or fish and um the vegetable she, the primary vegetable she told me to give was beets, beets and beet greens mainly. 
um, parsley, obviously. But um, so when she said that, I started doing my research also because obviously I just want to learn more. We're very research-oriented. So we're always reading studies on on any, anything, anything you put in our mouths, anything that we we eat or give to our dogs. And there was an amazing amount of literature out there on the health benefits of beets. I mean, today you see beet powder, beet pills, people take them, they, you know, they drink a lot of beets, but this really helped her detoxify her liver. So aside from those detoxifying effects, they're also very high, they're very nutritious. They're high in um, vitamins and minerals. And um, so it's, it, it's also anti-inflammatory. It's high in, in, in folate, manganese, and potassium, vitamin C as well. So we always want to say our treats are not junk food. They're actually you know, health food. And so that's why, and beets are very tasty. Dogs really like them. They're slightly sweet. So they're easily accepted by dogs. I would feed my dog just plain beets, but we decided. <laughs> I, mean, we, I couldn't find any treats. And it was tough because I would have to put in a food processor, mix it in her food but and it's like it's just a lot of work so we thought let's just make some (laughs) so instead you're doing the work for us by putting this together it's something that's palatable and they like okay so let's talk about turmeric okay want to say something well uh, we all know turmeric is an as an outstanding compound it's it's um it's it's anti it has high antioxidants it's a it's a great anti-inflammatory it's great for dogs with cancer so we just wanted a treat that had um turmeric in there that helped with that Um, a lot of the times you would see turmeric in an ingredient of pet food or treats but usually in the in the food world it's used as a coloring agent so you uh, would need high levels higher levels of turmeric for it to be functional or, or or beneficial so that's another thing we wanted to make sure is, I mean, sure, you can maybe buy some food or, tr- if turmeric is listed in a label, it's usually for, for colorant and for, you know, not necessarily palatability or, or health benefits, but turmeric has been used in Ayurvedic medicine for 5,000 years in Asia and India as a, a health tonic um, for yeah. various reasons. So, yeah. And if you smell our treats, actually, you can really, really smell the turmeric. It comes out very strong. In fact, we were, yeah, we were actually a little bit worried about that. If you didn't know just how accepted that would be, dogs would accept it. But they actually like it, yeah. Yeah, I haven't had palatability issues with turmeric in the diet, so that's great. Oh, great, great. yeah. Um, so we also have ginger, which uh, is actually fairly similar to turmeric, yeah. at least from a Chinese medicine standpoint. It's yeah. a great cheat tonic. It's warming, great for digestion, great mm-hmm. for uh, as an anti-inflammatory. So I really like that as well. And then you're using cranberries. Yeah. And cr- Cranberries, we know, are really good for bladder health, but they're also a, just a great antioxidant. They mm-hmm. kind of fall in that category with yeah. the cranberries, blueberries. And then you have something with peppermint and parsley. Why did you choose those two? Yeah, well, we chose peppermint and parsley because it is great for um, dental health and oral health, but it's also great for digestive health. A lot of the times when, when dogs have um, oral issues or, or bad health, bad breath issues, it could come internally from the gut. So um, parsley and, and peppermint is very known to calm the stomach and um, help with nausea, acid reflux. Also, I my dog, Fiona, right here, she has acid reflux issues. So that those parsley and um, peppermint has helped calm her stomach as well, as well as the ginger, too. That's also yeah. helped her nausea. And she gets car sick, also travel sickness. So that's why that seems to help her. I don't, you know, the, yeah. 
So it's very rich in flavonoids and um, again, a lot of health benefits and the mint and the, and the parsley as well. So I, I know I've talked to you about this in the past, but when you're making the, the, um, the recipes for these treats, you're not just throwing in a sprinkle of peppermint in the whole batch or a sprinkle of ginger in the batch. You're actually trying to use these ingredients at a level that is going to actually provide a benefit, not just be a treat. So how do you determine what that level is or where you need to be with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, for one thing, the, the, um, FDA has certain criteria for to to label treats, whether they're functional or to use ingredients in the front of the label to even mention to state claims. to state claims on the front of the label, like if it's got ginger or turmeric or, or you know the, the functional aspects of them. So they have certain percentages that you must reach to be able to do that. So you know the FDA is a, a huge guideline for that. Um, so we do use the guidelines. And so to be able to put with turmeric or with coconut milk or with moringa on the front label, it has to reach a certain percentage of inclusivity in the treat itself. Yeah. Yeah. So it can't be a sprinkle. It has to be a uh, certain amount in relation to the total percentage of the treat. Right. To be able to state that in the front. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. But I, I think... Um... You know, there's a, a huge uh, component when you're making things that you don't want a bunch of, like, we don't see fillers in no, your no, treats. No, yeah. It, it seems more when I'm reading ingredient labels that everything that's in there is in there to serve a purpose. Right, not, right. Not just to be a binder or a filler. Right, right. That, that's true. I mean, it's very difficult to um, develop treats because you do need binders. You need certain ingredients to, for cosmetic purposes or, or for baking purposes, which is the reason why it takes us so long to develop a treat. We love to use products that are healthy. Um, maybe they're not harmful, but they're not healthy either. They're just, right. you know, there. So we like to use every ingredient that is healthy, which is why we use, you know, the ingredients that we use and very limited as well. So we like to yeah. eliminate all the other, because whenever we, we come up with treats and we work with a, with a, um, we develop that we make ourselves first. That's what we first do. We make it in our own kitchen and our own oven. And if it holds up and it, and the dogs like it, then we try to commercialize it and for a larger batch. And then normally, typically, the, the the larger commercial kitchen would recommend things to do with it. Like you need to add um, glycerin or tapioca or you know whatever ingredient is because it's to this, it's to that, and it's like we really don't want to do that. Yeah. So so yeah. The, it's it's a big challenge, but. One of the, like, for example, gluten-free treats need a lot of protein to bind it, which is why a lot of gluten-free yeah. treats need a lot of eggs. But we wanted right. to leave eggs out of it why to be vegan. Yeah. So yeah. Right. just a whole lot of balance there. We have to make sure that there's a certain amount of protein from the other ingredients to be able to bind. Yeah. I think scaling up becomes a huge challenge. Yeah. yeah. Ladies, we are out of time. I am so grateful for everything that you do and for the information that you give us and for the phenomenal products that you make that are held to such a high standard. And for anyone who wants more information about cocoa therapy, they are on Instagram, Facebook, and their website, cocotherapy.com. Thanks, Dr. Morgan. Thank, Thank you for having you. us. Thanks for listening to another great Naturally Healthy Pets episode. 
be sure to check out the show notes for some helpful links. And if you enjoy the show, please be sure to follow and listen for free on your favorite podcast app. We value your feedback and would love to hear from you on how we're doing. Visit drjudymorgan.com for healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, upcoming events, and other fantastic resources. Until next time, keep giving your pet the vibrant life they deserve. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a veterinarian, licensed nutritionist, or other qualified professional. You're encouraged to do your own research and should not rely on this information as professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Dr. Judy and her guests express their own views, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets neither endorses or opposes any particular view discussed here.